May I be given the words to speak in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's readings in Isaiah and Corinthians are rich texts, tied together by a theme, I think, a theme that feels quite appropriate for my very final and farewell sermon here at St. Martha and St. Mary's. And I think it is the theme of calling. The prophet Isaiah reflects on being called by God to serve the people of God before he was even born. And in his text, the prophet comes to see that God's extraordinary plan has been to work in and through Isaiah to illuminate the world, to be a light to the nations. And similarly, in the greeting that we read from St. Paul to the church in Corinthians, we read about their calling to be saints in Christ Jesus. And then without missing a beat, our gospel text as well tells the story of the calling of St. Peter. But what exactly do we mean in Christian circles when we talk about calling? It strikes me as quite a, an unusual jargon that we use, a bit of Christianese to speak of our calling. The origin of the Greek word for church, the word ecclesia, refers to this idea of being called out, a community of ones who are called out. And we are aware from passages in Corinthians and throughout the rest of the New Testament that we are called into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. But what does it really mean? It strikes me to be a really remarkable concept that we are called, we are named, we are the saints. We're given an identity and a mission. And there are also other senses in which we talk about, about calling. We talk about calling perhaps to a vocation or a profession. Some people talk about callings toward singleness or toward marriage. Some people speak of being called to serve the poor. And I think when we talk about those rather specific callings to this or that, we're naming the way in which we feel compelled to live out this overarching calling to be saints. And the thing about a calling, whether we're called to work a nine-to-five job, or we're called to write a thesis, or we're called to raise children, or we're called to retirement, or any other number of things, the thing about calling is that quite often our calling takes us down to our depths. It strips us of the various things we might use to prop up our sense of self and identity. When we think about this calling that God has for us, the call to join in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, the call to be saints, it doesn't take long for me anyway, to realize how few resources I actually have to live that calling well. The calling of God highlights our poverty of self, our inadequacies. 
This summer, as many of you are aware, I spent eight weeks on a placement in a hospital chaplaincy in Yorkshire, in the north of England. I was really sort of flung in at the deep end. I had no experience in, in hospital chaplaincy, really, or sick ministry whatsoever. And there were a lot of barriers for me in the context, um, sort of differences in background, uh, social differences, cultural differences, religious differences in many cases, and linguistic differences, because I couldn't quite always understand the Yorkshire dialect, nor could everyone I was visiting understand my American accent. Uh, so I spent the first couple of weeks in a sort of free fall, feeling like I was so inadequate for this task that was set in front of me. And I was sort of grasping at whatever resources I could find to make up for what I felt were these were these lacks in my pastoral care and presence. And after the first couple weeks of being in this chaplaincy, I observed the two chaplains who were quite experienced, operating in two quite different ways. One chaplain traveled with, with a bag, always with her, and the bag was, was full of resources, books of prayers, prayer cards that she could hand out, holding crosses, all number of things she kept with her in a bag. And the other chaplain traveled quite light. He went with nothing. He would just go from patient to patient visit, carrying nothing with him. And as I observed them, I decided I knew which one I wanted to be. I wanted to be the equipped chaplain. So I started carrying around bits with me, bits of paper and prayer cards and holding crosses and different things to make me feel prepared for the unexpected. I'll return to that story in a moment. But another theme that stands out in these texts in relation to calling is that calling is often accompanied by naming. The prophet Isaiah says, the Lord called me before I was born while I was in my mother's womb. He named me. Simon is introduced to Jesus and Jesus immediately renames Simon, Cephas, or in Greek, as we know, Peter, the rock, the rock on which Jesus will later build his church. And while there's no mention of naming in that passage to the Corinthians, we do know that St. Paul was similarly renamed when he was called and converted by this blinding revelation of Christ. So there's something quite powerful, this, this theme something prophetic about being named. In Jewish theology, all of creation exists because of the continual naming of all things. God breathes creation into existence by naming each and every living thing and all living things can continue their existence because God continues to call each by name. In the Jewish morning prayer, the verse of praise includes a blessing. Baruch she'amar v'haya olam. Blessed be the one who spoke and the world came into being. It's a blessing based on Genesis 1. When God speaks, let there be light, and there was light. The very light that shines 
on us or even through us, as Isaiah claims, is the light of God speaking light into existence. And this gives a very different angle, I think, to the idea that our names are written in God's hands, that God speaks our very names. Brings us back to the gospel text today. In this story, there's quite a lot to reflect on in terms of calling and naming. John the Baptist and his disciples name Jesus and name who he is to them. John calls Jesus the Lamb of God. He calls him the one who will baptize in the Holy Spirit, the one who was before me. He calls him the Son of God. He calls him a rabbi. And among John's followers is Andrew, who hears all of these incredible statements of identity, these incredible names which are being used to describe Jesus. And he concludes that Jesus is the Messiah, yet another name. And so Andrew rushes off and he grabs his brother Peter and he says, well, sorry, Simon, he's still Simon at this point. He grabs Simon and compels Simon to come and meet this Jesus. Jesus, meanwhile, appears to perhaps be sorting out all of these curious people, these people who have named him as their Messiah. And he poses a very interesting question to them. He asks them, what are you looking for? I think this may be Jesus' invitation to the disciples to name something of their own. To name what they are looking for, who they are looking for. And I don't know if you noticed, but the disciples never answer the question. Jesus asks, what are you looking for? But they don't respond. I wonder why. I wonder if they knew the answer to the question, or if they didn't know quite yet. Did they know what they were truly longing for and hoping for? Could they name their hopes and their dreams? Did Simon know what he was looking for when he followed his brother Andrew to see this Messiah? Was he looking for a name, an epiphany of self, a name that would encapsulate his calling and crystallize his life's mission? For a moment, I try putting myself in their place, and I consider what would it be like to be addressed in that way, to be asked by Christ, what are you looking for? And my answer may be very different from yours, so I'd very much like to hear what answer comes to your mind. But I have one thought that sits quite well this evening, and it is, related to the season we're in, that I'm looking for epiphany. Not just the season, with our glamorous retelling of the Magi visiting the Christ child, but actually epiphany in the sense of deep revelation. Epiphany in the sense of a greater realization of who Christ is and who I am in relationship to him.
And I think that's really what I was looking for in the hospital chaplaincy. As I clutched one prop after another, one prayer card after another to try to sort of support me in my sense of floundering, in my sense of not being enough. I mentioned earlier how there were two chaplains, one who traveled well-prepared and one who traveled quite light. And I wanted to be the well-prepared one. But one day I decided I need to find out how this chaplain who travels so lightly does it. What is his, what's, what's he, how is he able to go from place to place with nothing with him? So I, said, I asked him, how do you do that? <laughs> how do you deal with feeling so unprepared and inadequate in the face of the unexpected? And his answer to me, I will read because I wrote it in my journal. He said, this is the gift that a Christian brings. The Christian brings herself. Crosses and prayer cards might be part of that. But ultimately, you bring yourself in your inadequacy, in your poverty. You are the channel through which Christ can shine. I return to those words often. I find them so wise and so insightful. The very light that shines through us is the light of God speaking us into existence, calling each of us by name. I wanted to close on a bit of a personal note. As we've seen in these passages, there is something powerful, something prophetic, something creative about being named. And I have been a recipient of quite a few names here at St. Martha and St. Mary's. So shortly after joining this chaplaincy, four years ago, I was confirmed in the Church of England, and I was called a confirmand. Then, um, just a few months after I was confirmed, I was encouraged to apply to an internship here, and I was called an intern for two years. And presently, by the grace of God and by your blessing, I am now called an ordinand, a person in training for the ministry. But each new name that I was given here allowed me to explore another aspect of my calling in Christ Jesus. And so I wanted to take a moment just to thank you for your generosity in, in speaking this whole process into existence. So thank you for perceiving my vocation and holding my story for supporting my training and praying that I would grow. Thank you also for your patience and trust in allowing me to experiment here in this place and to work in this church. Most of you know that for the next few months, I will be full-time in England, completing my training in Theological College in Murfield. I remain called the ordinand at St. Martha and St. Mary's, though I won't physically be present here, much to my regret. When my training comes to a close in June, Lord willing, I hope to extend an invitation to all of you um, 
when I am ordained as a deacon, but those details are forthcoming. So perhaps the most salient encouragement I can offer tonight from what we've read and reflected is this. Do not grow weary in calling. Calling and naming is something that this chaplaincy does with grace and with care and with love. I know it's, it's difficult at times, painful even, um, to belong to a chaplaincy that is continually in flux. We, we're a chaplaincy that frequently has to say goodbye to dear friends. And it can also then, in time, become painful and difficult to say hello. It can feel that our kindness has been used up and our hearts do grow fatigued. And I think of what the, the chaplain taught me in the hospital, that there is some insight in that weariness, something about our poverty of self, the poverty of self when we contemplate the calling to which we're called. And today, perhaps, we can just hold that question that Jesus put to the disciples. What are we looking for? Perhaps we can name that to him. And we pray with the collect that God will transform the poverty of our nature into the riches of his grace so that we can once again welcome and open our arms and say hello and continue to call and name those who enter through these doors and recognize the gift that God has given us in each one. Amen.